Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I don't like Easter. I've never liked Easter. Even as a child, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, right. I don't like the candy. I don't <laughs> like the eggs. Ooh. I don't like any of it. I, I have been saying this on every podcast and social media platform I can, but I believe that Easter is the superior candy holiday. Huh. Well, because Danny, yeah. I think I heard you already arguing this point, whether you, I forget if you were for or against, but this is when the Reese's really shines because the Reese's egg, the, the yeah. ratio of peanut butter to their shitty milk chocolate is really a totally yeah. different candy. And yeah, it's a different candy. It it benefits from the egg shape. Uh, I like Cadbury eggs. I like jelly beans. Uh, and 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 moreover, Halloween candy doesn't really have much of a culture or identity. It's just like candy corn and then some shit that's shaped like a vampire, maybe. No, like no, 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 no. <laughs> Halloween, you get anything you want. That's like the great thing is you get a wide variety yeah, but, of but all that's the things. Just- Andrea, that's just called candy. So is it just here? You put something in like a fucking pagan egg shape and all of a sudden I'm supposed to buy into it as like a Christian thing? No, thanks, sir. Also, pick pick a season. Easter is cold. You you think it's going to be warm, but you're cold in the spring. Can we move on? Welcome to Side Work Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Wallace. Annoyed by Easter. Okay, fair enough. I I was like, it seems like Sunday's a great day to go do things because everyone will be... Super spreading with their family once again. Fourth wave, holla. I'm your host, Brooke Van Poplin, and joining us today is one of our One Star Podcast Network hosts of his own show, The Macaroni Zone. Please welcome Danny Palumbo, everybody. Hey, thanks. And I, and I love Easter. It's okay. You know, it's big fan. It's because I love God so much. <laughs> right. <laughs> And it's, and Hollywood and, and Halloween is a is a pagan satanic holiday. Right. All right. I mean, look, any excuse like not to not this year, obviously, to like get together with friends. What you know, as long as it's like a nice, fun gathering, like good for me, good for that, good for well, an event. But here's the thing. So what what Easter does bring, unfortunately, for servers is Easter brunch. Ugh. Um, which is maybe a step below Mother's Day brunch in terms of hellishness as a serving day. Um, we've been seeing a lot of tweets lately that are very on the money. This one is from Ethan at eGoody8. He writes, being a server the past three years, I can say without a shadow of doubt that the Sunday after church crowd is filled with the rudest, most entitled, and most ignorant people to ever walk this earth. (laughs) And 
It's amazing. That reminds yeah. me of the meme of like the old woman leaning out of a, like, just got out of church. Time to go be a bitch to a server. <laughs> but this is like, Easter <laughs> is just like Christmas in that, like, you have like the people that go to church, but only on the major holidays, right? Well, right. So, so there are you've already got... turds in that sense. They're already. <laughs> yeah. And you're, it's a perfect storm. You're right. Because Easter is an eating out holiday, I think. You know what I mean? Like, or at least that's what we used to do. You know, yeah. like Christmas, Christmas Eve, it's like, you're inside, you know, you're, you're having a family dinner, but Easter is like, we're hitting the town. <laughs> and I, for me, that's what it feels like. Also, this tweet is definitely, it doesn't explicitly say it, but it's like, yeah, it's tied to age. For oh, sure. Like, and, I, you know, people who haven't eaten shit yet, they got up, they didn't have any, any coffee or any food yeah. before they went to church. And it's just a bunch of hangry turds. Yeah, maybe that's. That's true, too. You know, for me as a kid, the post-church meal felt like the most earned meal. Even today, I'm like, you know, you're really putting in some work at church. Like, the meal afterwards is, God, it feels good. We used to go to Sunday school and then church, and then my parents would hang out afterwards for fellow down in something called Fellowship Hall, which is just the basement of the church, where then the urns of coffee the cookies, kids right. running around, and I'd be like, can we just leave this building? I already <laughs> go to Christian school Monday yeah. through Friday, and we're back all day Sunday? I just yeah. torture. Um, an yeah. Another listener wrote in. She didn't give me the full story. This is just a preview. She said, got a good story coming your way about an old man on his way to church calling me a dumb millennial woman who talks too much. Oh, oh no. And I, I said, did you did you reply, uh, enjoy church, asshole? Because I think that's the only thing you can say at that point is go go gobble up your god you 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 got go right like why can't this guy god. why does it have to be a millennial why can't it just be any woman you old man that talks too much <laughs> <laughs> it truly is oh i'm getting all you know i just have like just the uh, being stuck sitting in a pew with my grandparents pew, um, pew, a lot pew. pew 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 exactly because it would be my grandfather's terrible cologne right but then his coffee breath and so I just have these like really vivid <laughs> memories and you, like yeah. you were talking about the cookies and the coffee and the smells were wafting at me in my memories anyway I mean I'm not a, I never didn't grow up going to church but I just know that smell <laughs> Um, before we get into the show and tell our viewers all about you today and our topic, Danny, uh, quick yeah. reminder, everybody, we're a month into having a podcast network with all of our lovely podcasts that we have. Uh, the Macaroni Zone is just so great. I've been loving, we cackle listening to your episodes, Danny. Absolutely. I haven't, oh, thanks. haven't heard the latest one. Gotta catch up. It's hard listening to everyone else's stuff. I'm not going to uh, lie. I don't I don't, I don't listen to our podcast. Uh, so it, it, the fact that anyone else does is, is still amazing to me. Oh, well, it's, you guys, it's really fun. The the, oh, good. the topics of debate that you and James get into are fantastic. Your knowledge on all your topics is just really, it's very knowledgeable, but you guys all also get very irreverent and opinionated and very, very funny. So 
it's awesome to listen to. So guys, definitely check out the Macaroni Zone. Subscribe, rate, and review. And then we wanted to mention last week, Andrea, we dropped the ball on this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Carolyn came on, told us all about taxes. And, you know, we just didn't know until a little bit after the fact. Just so you guys know, if you mention uh, brass taxes... Um, when you're, if you go through them specifically to do your taxes and mention pod 25, you get a $25 off discount for an, when you get your appointment, it's $25 off. That's pod 25. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty exciting. We talked, we spoke about taxes last week, Danny. It was crazy. We just wanted to dispel myths for servers and line cooks and those of us who are just really weird about money. And our friend Caroline came on and just kind of like fucking laid it down demystified it helped walk everybody through you know what to do what not to do like oh wow it was amazing it's like most people's first question is like what are allowances and how many should i take i learned a lot and my brain felt broken but then i felt okay by the end of the interview (laughs) i was like i don't know and then i was like i kind of know like so it's a good if you guys haven't listened please get in there if even if you're if you're worried or scared about your taxes it's just it's a fun it's very soothing soothing. yeah you're you're not going to jail that was the takeaway we're not going to jail (laughs) so Yes. Yeah. I've, I've always believed that, that I'll, I'll never see prison. And especially if it's like, I don't claim a couple thousand dollars or whatever. I'm just like, if you come for it, fine, I'll pay you. I've had that happen before, yes. but and in if you aud- work in service industry, you usually make so little money right. that like, you don't have to worry about it. Exactly. Yes, uh, exactly. And that's- as far as jail time is concerned. I think. <laughs> Uh, yeah. It's when you're hiding money. It's when you're knowingly hiding money. Right. Lots and oh, lots of yeah. money. But yeah. anyways, oh my God, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, which we were like, is every restaurant owner ever? We just work for them. I just work for them. <laughs> mm-hmm. They make the rules. I mean, that's seriously it. Um, well, all right. Should we should we hop into some headlines, Brooke? Yes. And first and foremost, I have to say, I love searching for food-related headlines and I use this one crazy old aggregate that I've been using for 10 years when I used to blog for a living. Good God. Remember that when you could blog for a living in 2010? Um, But there's this aggregate site called FARC, and it, it gives you headlines and just brief bites of, you know, fun and interesting things. And then it had your article, Danny, on the takeout. And I was like, Oh shit! It's our very own guest, Danny Palumbo. Nice. Yeah, that, it worked out pretty well. It, uh, yeah, a lot of engagement. Yes, I noticed that. I dropped down and I was like, "Oh, he's getting it stirred up in the comments yeah, so right now." The yeah. very controversial uh, topic that is covered in this article is how downright shitty In and Out's French fries are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like it reads a little clickbaity as in the title is yes in and out's fries are bad like i knew it was going to be a little oh. clickbaity but I, I wanted to write something good uh about like why we talk about these things right and and also why their fries are bad right i know why they are but i'm like i need to bring in like a chef to explain it so it's not just me doing it like let's get an expert uh to explain basically the same things that i would have said 
but it just sounds better from coming from somebody else. Sure, I, sure. Lo- I love this approach to this journalistic approach you have on this article, and this will like lead us yeah. into us talking about um, food writing, being a food critic on today's topic with Danny. But I, yeah. I will can, say. Can I- Mm-hmm. Can I say he comes out of the gates um, swinging? You know, his first sentence, <laughs> if I may quote Danny, first sentence yeah. of his article, I say this with love, curiosity, appreciation, disgust, and full awareness of the human condition. In and outs fries are dog shit. Um, yeah. And if you, those of you guys, like, I know everybody's heard of In and Out Burger. <laughs> if you don't live in California, if you don't live like on the West Coast, and we know you've heard of In and Out, but like, it's an it's an amazing burger. Period. Right? It's one of oh it, my it's God, so yeah. fresh. Yeah. But their fries are terrible. And you go it's, on to say, Danny, specifically, they pretty much do just like the 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 punch and fry. There's no soaking. Me? You even go on to 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 tell yeah. your readers how beautiful french fries are made you have to soak the fucking starch out of these guys to make them shine um whereas and now just like tosses them right in the fryer and i understand that it's like Mm -hmm. the the thing about in and out is like as fresh as possible and my in and out is teeny tiny i don't know where the fuck they'd be soaking french fries honestly it would be too (laughs) they don't have the room they don't have the capacity yeah and that's what i think it comes down to yeah, but I I would also say this, and I didn't have time to go through all of this in the article, but I would say it's probably a through line through some of my other things that I've written, is that potatoes kind of do benefit from uh, preparing them in a factory. Yeah, somewhere. right. I, I think I think this with hash browns. There's giant machines soaking them and drying them and the you know like if you read the back of some hash browns uh there's a couple extra ingredients in there outside of potatoes and like salt but like the F, they're not they're not bad they're food. not creepy mm-hmm. ingredients right no. they're not creepy ingredients Trader- now mcdonald's fries could be um I, but you know we're yeah, I mean, they've been like joint. they've been frankenstein i think a bit you know a li- like a, a pringle chip like right what is pringles are like they're yeah. completely mashed potatoes that are like reef back formed into potatoes right like they're and i think yeah that to me is a mcdonald's I, fry i think mcdonald's fry does get right the uh blanching car frying freezing and then and then sending them out to mcdonald's to be fried i mean at a restaurant that's how you would do fresh cut fries anyways if you know you would blanch them uh par fry them and then put them on sheet trays and either put them in a cooler or in a freezer Mm -hmm. and then grab them out which is like the same thing mcdonald's does only they add some extra shit in there so i love how food nerd this episode is already we never lead into this and it's kind of it's making me really happy (laughs) oh good and I mean, like, obviously all of our listeners have really strong opinions about this as servers as well. I mean, we all are consumers. We all eat. But yes, I I agree. There is just something. And I will also go on record. I ain't impressed with Shake Shack's fries. Those are dog shit to me, too. Um, Not into them. Uh, Are they they the crinkle cut? They're crinkle cuts, which I'm already not. In camp crinkle cut. So. I, I like a crinkle cut. There's a very there's a time and a place for crinkle cut, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, on a chili they, they, fry, they, a... they like hold the chili better on the you know what I mean? They like they can handle it like certain shapes of pasta. Hey. A crinkle fry does things like yes. that. 
Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Interesting. Here Sorry. we go. Like Food that. nerding out. <laughs> Here we go. Well, I have we have we eaten coney fries together in Detroit, Andrea? Because a crinkle fry is sacrilege. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I I didn't know it was sacrilege, but like I'm. That's just yeah. I I would eat a coney fry, and however people do it, they uh. do it. That's why regional food is so fun. Which you actually like, kind of talk about in your article, Danny, is that people will defend their nostalgia, which Brooke is doing right now. Um, which is yeah. why people will defend the in and out fries. Oh my God, we're going down a hole here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck, fuck today's topic. Let's talk regional. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, I just think it's really fun and and refreshing to read articles like this too, and still be. Um, I don't know. I like how invoking it is, whether it's anger or people like rooting for you on this topic. It's a great headline. Um, and I'm glad there's still really awesome food writing like this happening. That's all I but this say. is, Thanks. I know I I, I'm, I ha- I'm not letting it go just yet. I will. I promise we'll move on to another headline, yeah. but like people responding going like, nope, nope, absolutely not. Yeah. You are wrong. And then, but then yeah. their caveat is if you want them crunchy, you just ask them to make them really, really well done. I'm like, that's how a yeah. French fry should taste. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it shouldn't be yeah. the secret menu right. to make yeah. French fries taste delicious. All, I, all, all I know is I miss a lot uh, the community fry bowl in the kitchen for all of the, all the restaurant workers to like put their, oh, God. their dirty mitts and yeah. shit throughout the shift. That's all it makes me want is a community fry bowl at my disposal. Like the big, are you talking about the big stainless steel bowl? Yeah. They'll put fries in and they, they toss, toss in the salt, and, like, and yeah. yet there's always a few extra sure. in there. And little grubby sure. hands of all the people that work in the restaurant reach into it as the night Absolutely. moves on. There's like there's Pre-COVID, ramekins yeah. of garlic aioli and ketchup next to it. You know, yeah, uh, just hiding yeah. everywhere. Yeah, you got to be careful. You're like re- you're like reaching under to get new glassware, and your your fingers just come out covered in aioli. Yeah, because we <laughs> squirrel away. Yeah. We squirrel away our sauces because that would be a health code violation if someone came back there. All right. Well, let's move on to our next headline today. Um, Chef Jose Andreas, of course, making more headlines today, calling on Coca-Cola to provide food and beverages to voters in Georgia. Um, If you guys hadn't heard, uh, there is a new terrible law passed in Georgia this week, basically saying... um, it is against the law for voters to receive food or beverage in voting lines now, even water, um, which we can all say is absolute bullshit and voter suppression to the max. To the max. Hey, r- real quick, I got to know what is, because I've seen this before, but I've never really watched Fox News long enough to understand <laughs> what is the reasoning behind that? What are they fighting for? That's, so, you know, I'm mean, like, what's their side? What they want to do. So essentially their side in this and, and Governor Brian Kemp is because they're leaning so hard into the fabricated tale that this election was highly rigged and false. And so oh, they're right, right, right. so they're now the voter protection police even though this was one of the most successful elections in history. Voter fraud almost never happens. So Georgia has already had a long history of disenfranchising voters, especially in communities of color. And they're incredibly mad because the communities of color came out and won the state and turned it blue for the first time, like in history. Yeah. So now they're specifically going. So this isn't just the no food and water. This is just the salt in the wound. They are 
basically making um, the restrictions so outrageous where they close the polls at 5 p.m., even though it's not a national holiday, that they're making less voting um, stations available. They're going to make it much harder to do um, mail-in voting. You have to have several forms of ID. Like, just all the things that are so uncomfortable unconstitutional so therefore meaning with less places and less access to vote the lines would be longer right and so then now you've got these long lines and their hope is someone who's got a six hour wait in front of them will give up because no one's allowed to give them a sip of water right and ah, and yeah. not to mention this, I mean, last, this last time around there was a pandemic so lines were even right. longer yeah. not only were there less voting centers because any, everything had been like gerrymandered and like redlining was happening and all the things that always happen yeah. to like oppress like votes for it, certain neighborhoods I, and and like you wait times are longer so jose andres who is an amazing advocate for restaurateurs food rights restaurant workers rights and just like an all over amazing human being supplying food to uh, everyone across the world has called on coca-cola to step the fuck up because they're making it illegal for a citizen to mm-hmm. pass out mm-hmm. water and supplies to voters but we know the gop loves corporations so that's why he's calling on coca-cola themselves if they're a company if it's a company distributed situation you cannot hold them accountable based on this crazy stupid fucking law they just put in place that makes zero sense right yeah yeah so so they're worried that it's like kind of nudging the voter in a certain way like here's some water you know vote for biden or whatever like they're worried about no Not even it's it's it's, it's the it's fact just that like voting. I think what I've seen is it's just vote. Period. Stay in line. Vote. Also, if they're closing Got at it. five p.m., these new laws. You, if you're in line, you can you still have to be able to vote, right? Like that's the law. Like yes, but that's when Trump started. Ha- Sorry, totally different topic again. Um, this is when Trump started having a hissy fit when because he was winning early, and then when all of the mail-ins started being counted and all the long lines in in basically the purple states started coming in. He doesn't understand laws, and he never did, about either how voting worked either. And so even though people were in line at 8 o'clock, they were still voting for hours. Right, right, right. And no, he, I'm just he saying was getting, still, No, I'm just saying yeah. he was getting mad that they were being counted. He started screaming to stop counting. Yeah. And so this is – so basically, Danny, this is a call to treat people as inhumanely for yeah. exercising their American right to vote. And they're patting themselves on the back like, we just really made voting safer for everyone. <laughs> yeah. White yeah. people. Um, it's so, well, anyways. I, anyways. Yeah. I love uh, I love putting the pressure on corporations like that, though. That's great. They should That's step up. Because I'm sure Coca-Cola has posted, you know, something in the past in support of, you know, some sort of cause before. And it's like, okay, put your money where your fucking mouth is, please. Right. And uh, step up. So that's good. And to be fair, like this is, I mean, it's disgusting. Georgia is a huge state, um, but it, it's like, it's just them. So it's like, yeah, you guys could tackle Georgia. Thank God this didn't happen countrywide sure. yet. But we could, yeah. you know, I would gladly, like, like, did they say anything about like water guns? Like if I shoot people with fresh like distilled just, water oh, in like, the face, like when you go if, and like the girls will shoot like uh like the drink shots. girls will shoot shoot like yes. alcohol into your mouth at bars. That'd so be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I speak- think 
yeah, the thing is, we, we just have to start working with, you know, just how do we get around these laws? I cannot wait to show up basically <laughs> with hoses or like a burrito gun. They said nothing <laughs> about shooting oh, burritos at people, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, and, and, and also, can, can you say you're a representative of a, of a restaurant and not as a citizen? Just like Coca-Cola, there's, you know, it doesn't have to be huge corporations. And I know obviously Coca-Cola being tied to Georgia and Atlanta is very specific with this but like i'm i guarantee it's going to be local like companies that are stepping up and doing stuff like this to to get in through that loophole let's face it it's going to be mom and pop businesses um yeah well those were some hot headlines <laughs> yeah um yeah why don't let's just let's hop into some server submitted submitted stories, stories. yeah let's go let's get in there Danny, feel free to read this interaction if you want. It's so ridiculous. This is actually my boyfriend's story, so I can't take credit, but we still go over the exchange regularly and laugh about it. Man walks into my boyfriend's restaurant and looks around. The man, so Hopcat, huh? My boyfriend, yep. Man, didn't used to be. My boyfriend, nope. Can I get you a table? Man, oh God, no. I, I don't eat out at restaurants. Man turns around and walks out. <laughs> Pretty good. What is the point? What is the point what of that? What the fuck is this? I love how these guys, right. Like, so Sarah writes in, she's like, we literally do this exchange all the time. <laughs> so, like these sort of people who are like, they're just like, this used to be something else. And you're like, okay, yeah. do you want anything? No, yeah. I just yeah. want you to know. <laughs> yeah, I just want you to know. I hate change. <laughs> so uh you guys uh huh like huh. oh and like love- even going in oh god no what i don't know i can't but that this. was uh, this guy but- does this all over town to everything that's changing so all you guys uh starbucks huh you got coffee huh uh, you don't eat out at restaurants right he said ever. It, ever he said it sort of like well, would you like to adopt this cat? And he's like, oh God, no, 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 I'm allergic to cats. Was was yeah. the way you would say that, right? Yeah. Instead, he was like, oh God, no, I don't eat out at restaurants. Yeah. That sounds like the punchline <laughs> to like a really old joke. You know what I mean? Like, oh God, no, I don't eat out at restaurants. Oh, like, yeah, somebody, uh, somebody, somebody told that on right the beginning before. part. Yeah. <laughs> I love little quips like this. Um, And it's, and I love that it's now become an amazing inside joke, Sarah. So thank you so much for sending it. Sending it over. Where am I? What is this place? All right, next story. Hey, y'all. Hunter from Georgia here. This is one of the most weird, wholesome stories my friends love to hear me tell new people in the group. It happened my first year of bartending, and it's been burned into my mind ever since. I love a setup. Um, We had a band on a Friday night, and it was fairly busy until they quit playing. Most everyone paid their tabs and left, except for a group of five ladies my age, early 20s, all ordering shots and giggling really loudly, except one that was very quiet and reserved. She really didn't seem to be a part of the group, and I figured she was drug alone by her group of stereotypical blondes. 
She comes up and asks if I can charge her phone. I usually keep a few kinds of chargers behind the main bar and the other side of the restaurant. So I tell her, yes, take her phone over there to charge. She disappears for 20 or so minutes and then comes back as I'm wiping the bar down. She then asks me if I work every night, to which I reply, no, I actually take Thursday night off to spend with my friends and family or go do something fun. She replies she's also off every Thursday. I say, well, I usually have a group of fun people our age that goes to a bar across the square to watch a du- to watch a dueling piano show. And if she ever wanted to come, she was more than welcome. She says, well, I usually spend the night watering and taking care of my money tree, which I recognize as a kind of plant. <laughs> I say, oh, that's cool. And she asks me, do I want to see a picture of it? I say, sure, to be polite. <laughs> that's when things get weird. Really? Now is when it's getting weird? All right. <laughs> she went to go get her phone and came back without it, saying it didn't have much as a charge as she... And she wanted to know, do I have a pen? I think I see where this is going. She's going to leave me her number and I'm going to text her to see her money tree. And then we go from there. Nope. Wrong. She takes my hand and points my palm away from me. Her face breaks out in a huge smile and she says, no peeking. (laughs) She then proceeds to draw a stick figure of the money tree on my hand. She finishes and I have a look and I have to stop myself from laughing and I just smile and say that I think it's very nice how much she loves her plants. She thanks me right as her troop is walking out the front doors and yelling her for her to come on, let's go. She then puts her palm on my cheek, smiles and tell me tells me I have a beautiful soul only to walk out and never to be seen by me again. I'm not sure what happened to her phone because the maid bartender said nobody ever came to get it. So I'm pretty sure she was uh, a ghost behind the bar <laughs> I work at. And the bar is over 100 years old in a medium sized town around northeastern Georgia. What? Love the show. Everyone at work listens uh, to the boys from last podcast on the left. And when we heard about your podcast, we jumped on board. Godspeed and good tips. Damn. What? Well, okay. <laughs> Two yes. things. She was. She was, maybe not drugged, but on drugs. Nobody. Nobody says you're a beautiful soul and is sober. That's something no. a, a high person says. Right. Right. You got a beautiful soul. Like, Even if maybe this is the person she turns into when she's wasted. You know, wasted on what? Matcha maybe. and ashwagandha. You know, and maybe yeah. some psilocybin. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I'm just saying, if she's under the yeah. in some, in, in, under the influence and they're doing shots instead of being rowdy, maybe she's the one that gets like really weird and like disappears and wanders off. There, we all know she, that person that yeah. does that. She she gets drunk and turns into a ghost. Sure, <laughs> it happens. We all have one friend in our group that turns into a ghost and they drink. We yeah. do. It's so. Are you that friend? I used to be. I used to disappear. I but... do love that that story turned into sort of a mystery at the end. Like, yeah. uh, no, no one came for the phone or it wasn't there. Like maybe she was a ghost. I love, I love, stuff I love that. that when you work in old ass establishments, that is your explanation for everything. Oh yeah. <laughs> always. It goes. But here's the, here's the thing. It's always the pipes. 
It's always the pipes. When you go downstairs, like a restaurant or a country club or something, and you hear some shit, and you're like, that room's always dark. Yeah. And you hear some, like, weird things. It's the pipes. Totally. When you look into the dark room that, like, nobody ever goes to in the back that, like, has old tools and, like, old restaurant equipment, and you just hear a voice go, Danny! It's the pipes! (laughs) It's the pipes! I have to ask, though, you know, this story would get me more if he was, like, there was no cell phone. And then I looked at my hand and the money tree was gone. What was like, I don't think like that is, that is a next level ghost. The fact that she can use her phantasmic energy to hold a pen and also draw on you. Mm -hmm. That is Mm -hmm. some, I think that is someone who's drinking some of these new um, CBD waters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right, for the sure, CBD doesn't. Sure. You mean the TA? You want a little more THC in there? You need some. THC. You probably do. Mm-hmm. But she was mm-hmm. just so relaxed. You mm-hmm. know, relaxed as the new drunk. Um, that's <laughs> that's great. Um, that's a new T-shirt coming at you. Um, add it to the add it to the list of T-shirt ideas. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. By the way, someone asked uh, on Instagram uh, if if we still have any merch left, and I just LOL'd so hard. Guys, we've sold four T-shirts. Come and get them. Um, I have. We should 100- push them more. We'll push them yeah, out there to remind you guys more. We got. We got all sorts of. We got merch, mm-hmm. and you guys got your stimmies, and and businesses are opening back up. So it's you time. got merch. We got you got stimmies. We got merch. <laughs> That's right. Let's make it work. Let's make it work. All right. If you guys have stories you'd like to send to us about ghosts, about weird things customers have said to you, good, bad, ugly, embarrassing, infuriating, please send it to sideworkpod at gmail.com. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. All right, so you guys, our topic of the day today, uh, we're talking about food criticism and writing with our good friend Danny here. So yeah. Danny, get into your background for us because you've got a really great varied. Right. Uh, you do many things and they're all blending together really well right now, I must say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was a line cook uh, when I was like 16. I guess I washed dishes first for like a year, moved up to line cook. Dish then- pig, dish pig. <laughs> uh. You say dish pig? Yeah, that's that's, that's an so old funny. like that's a nickname for our friend James who is a dishwasher. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's not a very respectable position. Uh, but that led me to wanting to be a line cook, specifically because washing dishes uh, sucked so bad. I was like, I gotta get out. You're of like, here. I want to dirty the dishes. Yeah. I don't want to yeah, wash them. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Uh, and then I was a I was a line cook for uh, a long time. Uh, various jobs through college and comedy and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then uh, when I moved out here uh, four years ago, you know, you're just spinning your wheels and like other things you can do. And I was like, man, I can write about food. And uh, so I started and uh, just started, you know, cold talking people with emails and ideas and stuff. And then, you know, once you get one thing, you get a few more. And it's all been freelance at this point. Right. But, uh, I'm holding out for a nice staff job, which um, 
been in the running for before, but not quite yet. Uh, but it's great. I love doing it. It's another outlet. Uh, truly, all I want to be doing is talking about food in any ways. You know, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, you only have time for a certain amount of things. And uh, I think early on in LA, I was like, I don't want to do commercial auditions or no. really even write pilots. I'm like, I'd like to do stand up and I would like to talk about food. And I'll just focus on those two things. And uh, it's been delightful. And now you're talking about it like ad nauseum with a podcast, which I feel yeah. like is a great yeah. place to put that energy, to brainstorm ideas. It, it, they all feed back and forth into one another in, in my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, James, uh, uh, my co-host, has described it as sort of an extension of the stuff that I write about. And I, I hope it comes across that way. It's like I pick some things to launch into and then, you know, we get into it. And uh, it's it's a lot of fun. And I just lo- I love talking to comedians about food mm-hmm. uh, because I feel like they always have the, the good, the good bit, the good thoughtful thing to say that, you know, maybe a food writer hasn't thought of or a chef, you know, it's always interesting to me. So James is a great, great co-host for that. That's amazing. Well, we'll definitely have him join us when he's freelanced yeah. as well. Um, I think what's really fun and stands out too is it sounds like you were like a real fucking punk also when you were a line <laughs> cook. Uh, I heard. I can yeah. see that. I heard you, yeah. talk to, you know, that you, you got, yeah. uh, you got into some trouble because you're like, I can perfectly cook. Um, boxed pasta. Do you want to? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I worked a job where they told me to not pre-cook the angel hair because everybody was overcooking it. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. Like I know how to cook it properly and, uh, it'll set the night crew up for, you know, so they don't have to cook it to order. I'm like, do you trust the people, the night crew to cook it to order or me to cook a big batch of it? And the sous chef was like, just don't cook it. And I was like, I'm going to do it. And then finally I was standing over this giant vat. I worked in a production kitchen in a casino. At this oh, wow. So the and, big uh, bubbling, you know, boiling vat. The vat, the giant 40 gallon vat or whatever it is. And, uh, uh, I have the big box of pasta and I'm getting ready to dump it in and he's walking by and he's like, is that angel hair? I was like, yeah. And he goes, don't do it. And then I just looked him right in the eye. <laughs> dumped it in and then i i put it in an ice bath like 30 seconds later and it was it was cooked perfectly perfection Uh, yeah he that that sous chef ended up getting suspended because he was so mad (laughs) that he that he put his hands on me he grabbed me by the chef wow and and i didn't say anything but he kind of had a bad reputation like the other line cooks didn't like him and so someone mentioned the hr became this whole thing (laughs) And uh, he got suspended and he had to come back and be like, I'm sorry. And I was like, I know you don't mean it and you hate me, but this is so funny. But did you try that fucking pasta? Bro. It was great. Did, I mean, that's hilarious. Yeah, and box, such box, a kitchen box, thing box. to happen. Such a fucking sous chef thing to happen. Oh, so many egos, mine included back then. Of course. Uh, bouncing off one another. And uh, uh, it was fun. It was psychotic. When I look back at the, the people that I worked with and even my mindset then, I was like, psycho. <laughs> yeah. Psycho. I was a psycho. Yeah. About I think, but you kind of have to be, right? right? You kind of have to assume this role. Yeah, and, and then we talk I, a lot about how it doesn't have to be that way anymore and it's changing, but it's just, and it's terrible. Well, you have to all kind of be like crazy to work in a kitchen, you know? Here's, here's what I'll say. The, 
I mean, obviously the abuse is not okay mm -hmm. and that has to stop. Mm -hmm. What infuriated me as a line cook, uh, and it's like a lead line cook is like in charge of like other people. If somebody didn't care, if, if it was evident to me that somebody was doing a bad job because they didn't care, I was like, I now have free reign to kind of ride your ass. Oh. Because if you don't care about the job. What are you doing? You sound like, it, like a coach yeah. in a, in a, in a sports Maybe. movie, high school sports yeah. movie. Sure. But <laughs> if somebody's trying and they're failing, Somebody's trying and they right. care and they're sensitive about their work yeah. and all these things. There's no point in being all David Chang and being like, you're fucking nothing. You're, you know, and getting really, I don't understand the point in that, right. but I've, I've never worked in that high, high uh, volume of a setting or fine dining. So to quote, to quote my floor manager, when I got pulled aside after a shift, he said, either you can't do the job or you won't. Which is it? Bro? Yeah. Which is it? And I was like, I won't. And <laughs> I got put back into yeah. training. And then I was yeah. just like, fuck you, I quit. Classic and BVP yeah. uh, reaction. You're like, you gonna fuck with me? I'll fuck with you right back. You ready? I can't. I can't. And yeah. that's the thing, Dan, is like, you know, we're all comedians. And so it's really hard in these situations to not stand up for yourself and control your mouth because... Oh, yeah. It's like, I'm smarter than you and really good with words. Don't make me do it. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, again, as long as we can all just, like, get our job done and come together. I got a shitty attitude. Let's jump into some history of being a food critic, shall we? Let's, like, yeah. let's like run the gamut. Okay, so I did a little a deep dive, and this guy named Alexander Balthazar Laurent Grimond de la Renier. De la Renier. Keith Ranieri from Nexium. Oh Lord, um, he's the first known food critic. He so he published a series of, of journals called the Alamanque de Gourmands. Uh, a whole he, oh, it's, know, it, Andrea, it's, it's, it's an a almanac. whole gastro. It's an almanac. Oh, thank you. Oh, almanac. Thanks. Thank you, Brooke, for <laughs> teaching me how to read in French. An almanac de gourmands. So it's a whole gastronomic critique of Parisian restaurants. So this guy was. Um, Apparently, he had deformed hands. I read about that, first of all. Um, <laughs> that's the first thing that came up. Oh, God. Um, so, wait. He was like, he was like, I can't cook. I will only criticize. No. Well, you can't uh, not spot him at a restaurant because he's eating like a T-Rex. Um, no offense um, <laughs> to him. But, also, yeah. Yeah, but poor, he was a theater critic guy. at first, and then he basically made it through the French Revolution. He did not get the guillotine. Um, and then he's actually known for being like one of the pioneers of like modern French culture um by basically being becoming a food critic and uh, oh, cool. uh, you know kind of molding and shaping the the lifestyle and the like going out culture and restaurants in Paris and he opened the door for future food critics um which has been happening for a very long time um but yeah I think when we think of food critics and who is famous I have two that I think of one is Jonathan Gold and the other mm -hmm. is um what is it Alton or uh Ego from Ratatouille <laughs> It's like the Oh only. sure Anton so, so, Ego <laughs> So one one real guy and then somebody who's a I mean I don't think anybody knows who food critics are 
I think Jonathan Gold is like maybe the only one. I, I Bourdain had some horrible things to say about this one guy. I can't remember his name now, but he wrote a whole chapter of him in his book. Oh, I think it was something like Alan Rickman or something, but not. But not Alan like, Rickman. Got it. Not spelled like the not spelled like the actor, but it, right. it's, that guy's name is a douchebag, and that was a chapter in his book. Uh, from like 2012 or something. And I remember that guy. I, well, I remember Frank Bruni. He was a big one in, for the New York Times. And okay. uh, in my, I mean, my experience personally too was like he reviewed our restaurant and I had to wait on him. And it was one of the most highly intense. Um, I mean, which we'll, yeah. get, we'll get into how it, basically a bomb goes off in the kitchen when word gets out mm-hmm. if you recognize <laughs> if you recognize the reviewer you're like yeah. oh no and i begged begged my other servers i said please do it i'm going to fuck it up for the restaurant i'm going and and they were like brooke you're the only one everyone's too slammed and they're like you can do it and i was like it's no. like like shove a bunch of plates in your hands and like push you out the kitchen doors yeah. i love that um, I think, you know, let's get into a little bit of like then versus now and like more on history. We all know social media has like changed this whole game. Um, oh, yes. But like prior to Yelpers and influencers branding their opinions on like lowly hot dog stands, there was a whole world of food criticism. Um, and it was lot, a lot like a game of espionage, right? So that keep, sounds so fun. Keeping your identity a secret was like the name of the game. That's why I think when we say like, what food critics do we actually know? Like we don't know because keeping that identity a secret is key. Yeah. To the point where they would wear elaborate disguises, uh, have pseudonyms, fucking burner phones were a part of the job, you know, wearing floppy hats and sunglasses, bad dye jobs. There's even a woman who would play the part of a frazzled mother. She would go into like hole in the wall diner restaurants to review them, to elevate them. But she'd bring her kids and let them like run amok like an asshole in the restaurant while she was reviewing the restaurant at the same time. Why? Right? Why add why add that extra element to, to you reviewing the restaurant like yeah, maybe the food was bad or something, but also my kids kind of ruined the place and it was an extra, you know, stress, stress. Yeah, it's really, the, it's, it's, staff. I mean, that that's your method. You're all, it's also kind of like a sadist, like food critic method. I'm just going to say that, but I think the yeah, point yeah, yeah, of yeah. staying unrecognized is crucial to being treated like any other guest who walks through the door, right? So you don't want special treatment. Um, this, uh, (laughs) critic from Chicago, Jeff Ruby said he would dye his hair red and shave my red beard off and then put on sunglasses that weren't here there. Um, but that didn't stop and has never stopped restaurants from learning faces of local critics and even posting photos of them on the walls in the kitchen. Um, and when they find out who you are, Ruby goes on to say, it does get really awkward. Um, when the restaurants know who you are and it, he says he feels like he was cutting himself off from having conversations with really smart, creative people because everything gets muffled and weird when you know you're going to be reviewed or critiqued. Huh? Yeah. 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 I, I, I get that. I should also say that I don't know that I necessarily believe like in my heart in in the criticism being a very important thing. Okay. I don't know. Like, don't, 
don't we look at like, you know, when people write about comedy and stuff, I'm like, oh, this person has never been funny in their life. And, you know, you hear things, even Jonathan Gold, right. incredible writer, uh, iconic man. Didn't he like not like eggs? And I'm like, I think it's, I know he doesn't. And I think Guy Fieri, they both don't like eggs. And I'm like, how on earth are you talking about food and you don't eat eggs? And so I don't, I don't know. It's, it's well, interesting because this, yes, you're bringing up a very interesting point, which I think we all have trouble with gatekeepers, you know, just in general, where it's like, why? Like you invented the genre. Now we all bow a knee to you. Right. You can yeah. make or break my restaurant. And like the power is a little out of control the way that like you would, you know, the way like, oh God, why did his name, but like a movie executive or someone who's high powered where you're acting like it's the end all be all. Yeah. Totally. And I, I should act in an untoward way so that maybe I could get ahead. You know, just, just the, all of these Giving such extreme power to so few is just, uh, it's a very terrible human condition. Yeah. I, and I will say that obviously Jonathan Gold was somebody that handled it, you know, very well. Uh, seemed like a lovely person and, and did a lot of good. And I, don't, I mean, there's not a prolific career, but yeah. Well, yeah, he, and he whole... changed the game. You know, if you guys don't know who we're talking yeah. about, Jonathan Gold was a food critic here in Los Angeles for a, the entirety of his career. We um, really, uh, we suggest you guys go watch City of Gold, which is the documentary that came oh. out about him to show how he kind of changed the game and went from like food critics basically going to fine dining, more upper echelon restaurants to like everyday restaurants, like any restaurant could be reviewed. Yeah. Um, from restaurants that were failing that he elevated that are now like renowned in the city. Like this guy wasn't biased at all. Also, he would go into restaurants over and over and over again. Yeah. But he also goes on to say that like, even with the advent of social media, things changed a bunch, but being discreet was much harder for him. Whereas he, he specifically would only pay in cash. Um, so they could not trace back like any card, like with his name on it to find out if yeah. he had been in there, had open table accounts in many different names. Um, also had a burner phone too. Mm -hmm. I've got, I just remembered a very funny interaction I had with somebody about Jonathan Gold. I was talking to this woman, she owns this Bon Me place. And uh, uh, it's like, it's really close to Lyric Hyperion. This is like four months after Jonathan Gold passed away. And we started talking about Jonathan Gold, and she goes, uh, yeah, he's starting to lose his hair. <laughs> I was like, lady, he's got bigger problems than that. He's dead. <laughs> Did you not know? I didn't tell her. I just let her like kind of walk away from that interaction. But I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> she didn't know. <laughs> what a very funny thing to say, like, yeah, he's going bald. I'm like, uh, yeah, he sure is. <laughs> you know, like, he's also not breathing it's yeah. bad that's uh, sad that is fucking ridiculous and hilarious but but again like so like jonathan's like a really pleasant example right but they are yeah. they are mythic creatures you know they become like yeah. things of lore where everyone hears about them and you know all the rumors start to go around about you'll know it's them because they'll do you know fill in the blank or what have you but then I think what Andrea said is like, so then the internet just kind of blew it up where you could just start to disseminate information 
And I definitely had a restaurant that had a binder in the back of house where if we thought we saw somebody, we had to run back there, flip through the binder. The chef would come like put his face through the doors and look out into the dining room, come back, confirm it. And then we would go into like Operation Amuse Bouche. And then (laughs) and it was a thing and it was special treatment, although I think, you know, Andrea posted something in in the doc that it's like, yes, we are going to fucking, you know, turn into like a be our guest, be our guest. But we're going to pretend like we're not doing that. And we're going to pretend that every table is getting like this level. Like (laughs) everyone walks out that night going, this was the best night out to dinner ever. Right. That food critic unknowingly bought appetizers for the whole restaurant. Yeah, exactly. by, by, by just being there. Um, uh, yeah, which is great. There's so the screenshot, if you guys can see it, that Burke's talking about, I found from a chef named Kevin Ying in Chicago. And it was a screenshot taken in the back of a restaurant that basically says, like, if a food critic comes in and it's a list of all the food critics, media bloggers, and everybody, and the protocol. Um, is basically under no circumstances should we reveal that we know who they are. Remain calm and composed, everybody. No gossiping and notify a manager. It's <laughs> crazy. I know, but I like, I saw that like under there too, it's just like there will be one server, one buster, one food runner, and one manager designated to the table. None of you riffraff. If you are not assigned, do not yeah. go near table 12. Yeah, um, yeah. Which yeah, is, the, ace, the ace squad is very known at that point. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I love that they're like, no gossip, you know, no, no acting all crazy or talking to him. I'm like, well, I'm not sure what my tell was when every time I put down a dish, it was clattering. Cause I was like, I love this. I love this blooper reel of Brooke waiting on a food critic so much. This is when I was like, I like, like, okay. This is when I had to be like, I know now's not the time to tell you guys. I've never studied the, the wine menu. You do not want me near him, you know? Mm-hmm. And of course, because I was just like, I never listen to anything. I, I don't pay attention to pre-shift. Don't let me near him. And they were like, you have to do it. Well, not to mention that like when critics come in, they want to come in at the height of a service. So like they're going to come in on a super busy Saturday night when you're fully booked and you're teetering like on the edge of like, are we doing okay? Or are we about to be fully in the weeds? Like that's when you're going to get like a single person sitting down at a four top and being like, who the fuck is this? Who, who is this person? Yeah. <laughs> And if you thought yeah. the kitchen was grumpy before, oh boy. <laughs> boy, I got to say, this is this is making me really appreciate Los Angeles and, and moreover, Jonathan Gold and like the restaurants that he wrote about. Because what we're describing right now is like, this sounds like New York. This sounds like what yes. restaurants like, they rip out their hair. Yeah. And like, chefs talk about this. Like you get stuck in like this really, you know, cycle of seeking approval from critics and getting the write-ups in new york and like it's all you fucking think about and it's such a life or death game uh and then it's and it's you know jonathan gold I, it just seems like he wanders into a restaurant in a strip mall and writes something nice about it 
Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not it's not all fine dining. Right. It's not um, all like yuppie 80s, like New right. York. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And yep, I, yep. I think what's cool, too, is like I, I was looking at a few other articles that, you know, food critics don't have to adhere to. There's not like a top to bottom like standard for how they do their job, because there are a lot of food critics who just fully are like, oh, no, I only write nice things. If I didn't like something, I don't mention it, you know, and I'm like. That's the way to be, my friend. Mm-hmm. I feel like if a restaurant's bad, I just won't hear about it. You know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. I've, I've only went out of my way to write a couple bad things. Right. That's what Yelp is for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unless there was an interesting reason why it's bad. I mean, I've literally only done it about like one restaurant, like a sandwich place. Right. And, right. and that's, and that's, that's it. I just thought there was an interesting angle behind why it was bad but i wouldn't be like you know really ripping apart a, a restaurant right you know fries are one thing they're gonna be fine but you you, um, you love what you do and you love writing food doing food writing and you and you, yeah. you want to have a good time and you want to sing yeah. the praises of these places which is yeah i mean i certainly would hope like if i i mean if i was a food critic i would be having so much fucking fun you know I, it's a blast uh, I would half the time they do know why I'm there because it's not, I'm not on a, I'm not on somebody's payroll. It's not like they gave me a company credit card to be like, just wander in. And I'm like, I probably got an email from somebody from the restaurant's PR person that was like, come try our stuff. And I don't always write about it, you know, but sometimes I'm like, the stuff's good. Maybe I got special service, but I bet it tastes that way. Most of the time they're mm-hmm. using a recipe, they're using a recipe. I'm not writing like the food took 40 minutes to get out or whatever. I'm writing about, you know, the, the dish and it, it, I, you know, maybe you're supposed to be anonymous. If I was in a position where I could afford to be, maybe I would want to, but tell you what feels pretty fucking great when they know who you are and they bend over backwards to please you. Yeah. (laughs) But it's changed now. Right. And that's the thing with social media is it's, yeah. The faces are there. Like the influencers are there. The yeah. people are fucking filming their experiences. Even like in yeah. infatuation, which is great for LA, and they like do restaurant reviews on the fly. They'll go yeah. and film the whole experience, you know. So yeah. it, it it has turned into a whole different ball game in many ways. It, well, it's also changed too because I and this is something that we do on the podcast. We had to decide pretty early on, James and I. Uh, like what's our rating system for restaurants? I'm like, mm. I don't, I don't want to give a rating system. I don't want to be three out of five forks or whatever. Four right. pieces, uh, four so, pieces of macaroni, four pieces of yeah, macaroni. Uh, exactly. I wasn't so, in the zone with this one. We, <laughs> Let's just, just say they weren't in the zone when it came to the temperature of that steak. <laughs> <laughs> we just, we just decide to ask each other, uh, when are you going back? That's it, because in that James thought of that, because I don't know, everyone's supporting local restaurants, and I want to do the same thing, and I, I don't know when we're gonna get back if we do to like scathingly reviewing things. Right, it is I'm like sure- it is beyond at this point. We should only be scathingly reviewing the way customers treat restaurant workers. Yes, after yeah. after a year of a pandemic, that should uh-huh. literally be the only scathing words that come out of anyone's mouth. We should all be so thankful and grateful that someone's feeding us. We should turn the tables, if you will. (laughs) 
<laughs> like create like a, a, a restaurant Yelp. And I'm sure this already exists, like the anti Yelp where like we review the, the customers. I'm sure that already um, exists on many levels. So so you said it's a mix between like some restaurants will reach out as a PR. Is it because they see that you have a byline sometimes with like Eater or the takeout? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was really surprised. Mm-hmm. I, I think like after the first couple of things that I wrote, I, you just get in a database of like food writers and interesting okay sometimes blasted i don't know how many of us are there are i don't know how many people write for la times or eater but i don't think it's many uh so yeah yeah like a lot of times i'm like the first person to like write about something and that's amazing and then yeah do you then sometimes go to your publications and pitch them a place that you heard about and then that's 100 percent Cool. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, if I'm lucky enough to stumble upon something, that's awesome. Uh, it was harder to do when you know I was very poor. Yes. Uh, is, you need money to do these things. That's yes, what you no do. one knows about being a food. If you want to like be interested in food, I hope you had a previous career and a, and a bunch of disposable income. Right. Because there's no way you can like train your palate or walk into this business if you don't have money. Right. Um, right. Like so you're I lucky if you get, get reimbursed creative. these days, I would imagine. Yeah. 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 I make like, I make like nothing. And to, I, to write about I just yeah. have to say, cause we're going to, we're going to a few last topics, but when you do write about something and you're yeah. in love with it, um, I have mm-hmm. gone to <laughs> said places oh, cool. after you write about it. So I love that. Cool. It works. I love that so much. And again, like talking about Jonathan Gold again, like him um, going to like the Jitladas, right? Like restaurants, Mm -hmm. like very specific, like Thai restaurants where everything on the menu is very, to us, exotic and foreign, not just your typical Mm -hmm. pad Thai dish and singing its praises and opening up people's eyes to different culinary experiences is kind of magic, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I joked around with, I wrote about this one restaurant, uh, Ham Hung in Koreatown. One of my favorite places, Eater gave me like a feature for it because I thought it had a really interesting uh, hook to it, which was basically this guy's doing this old school Korean dish that not many people are eating and uh, he lives and dies on it. And so if the weather's not hot, it's a cold noodle dish, then he's, his business is bad. And uh, uh, I wrote about it. And I did joke with him afterwards. I was like, after this comes out, I hope your restaurant is filled with white people. <laughs> because that is literally, you know, like you're right. You, who's reading this? And the only people eating at the restaurant currently are, uh, you know, older Korean generation. Yeah. Older, right. Because you're, you're sitting here going, uh, yeah, the, like the, the cultures who already know their food, th- they know yeah. where to go to get the foods that taste like home and comfort. And then yeah. the rest of us... You know, like we were saying, raised on bad Easter dinner. And right. we, have to, we have to read these reviews to know where to start sticking our toe in the water and being yeah. brave and, and expanding our palates. And uh, Absolutely. yeah, you're, you're on the money. Oh, man. When, the, fucking, when the white. I just hate I just yeah. think of it. I think of it as like we're like we want like the cheesecake menu factory like that's america whereas like so many other places like korea there's restaurants like you said they just do, all they do is one dish that's what they specialize in yeah like the end um ah yeah so fun um brooke do you want to talk about how servers can fuck all it <laughs> fuck everything up well this is interesting you know we always like to you know give some takeaway from the perspective of you know being the server on the receiving end of this which you know we we spoke that in general if you are in a restaurant that's getting reviewed like let's be honest um i would surmise 
I wonder how many restaurants really truly get a full-on write-up these days when they can just live and die by Yelp. Because, you know, someone might be working at just some middle-of-the-road spot. So this may not apply to you. But if, if it does, like we were kind of saying, it's like, keep your cool. Give the same kind of good service you would to everyone else. I think if I could have gone back in my situation and just been my normal fun self instead of freaked out Brooke, it would have been a better time for everybody. Right. But it was because the reason I got so freaked out is because I did care about reflecting poorly on the owners of the business that I really loved. And I was like, I don't want this to be on me to ruin your shot. Like that's why I was losing my shit. If they were just there to talk about Brooke, the waitress, then I would have hammed it up, (laughs) you know? Yeah. That's a great point. It's someone else's career it's and livelihood their, in your hands. It's their marriage. Like yeah. I'm dead oh serious. God, they were married. Mar- like it was like sh- it was. It's everything. And so that's, I was like, "That's, that's more, such a great point. That's it such a good point." It was yeah. so crazy. But I say, just be as cool and calm and collected as you can, right? Mm-hmm. But here's what not to be. <laughs> um. So there are. A lot of female food reviewers who are like, oh, man, servers and gender and racial biases come through like crazy, especially when they don't know you're a food reviewer. And there's a pretty famous article about an L.A. food reviewer here. This is in 2016. She went to review this brand new like it spot and found out through all the male reviews that were coming out later in the game that there was a completely different wine menu that the men got. And because she was a lone female diner, they gave her like a kid's version of wine knowledge sort of bullshit stuff. Um, it was just five she- five different options of white Zinfandel, basically. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so oh bad, Oh, my Dana. God. That it's- is so bad. Yeah. And if they are the food critic dining with a group of friends, which is really normal, you know, you're like, we're going to go out two couples. I am going to be writing, blah, blah, blah. It's another great way to kind of throw people off. I mean, that's how I waited on Frank Bruni. Yeah. He came in with a gaggle of gays. It was like they had a great time, yeah. ordered everything so that they could, they could do the menu top to down, uh, top, yes. uh, top to bottom. So she's like, I'll be the food writer. And they'll, they're, they've even pulled the bullshit, which we've talked about this before. It's like, I'll get the menu with no prices on it, mm-hmm. which is an old timey bullshit tradition assuming women don't have jobs or money so they do not need to know the price because the men pay the tab so women women critics have been subjected to that um oh my god in san antonio texas a food critic named hannah raskin she tried to order a pork chop and the server would not let me order it because it was too big he said no 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 no. women don't eat that oh my god wow (laughs) She's this like, is, it's wild, right? These so, are all good points. Yeah. Right, right. And so she's like, I had to make a choice between identifying as a woman that night or having pork for dinner because <laughs> of the way this server made me feel. And so I think this is a great lesson to just try and treat everyone, if possible, like they might be writing about you, which now, unfortunately, they all can. Yes. 
Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Everyone's a writer. And and uh, if you uh, need some tips, there's plenty of articles out there I came across in the past couple of days on how to, like, pretend or show that you're a food critic. Like, the way that you sniff your drink or eat or smell uh, your food when you're yeah. at the restaurant. You can get... What's, you can what's your tell, people. Danny? Do you just take your index finger and drive it right into the middle of every dish every I, time? <laughs> yeah, I go... Uh, Right into the center of the food. I do a big. I do a big walk. Even though it's um, a sandwich. Mm-hmm. You know what? I, I I don't give a shit. I there's a there's a notebook. There's a tiny notebook with me every time. Mm-hmm. You don't know what I'm writing. I could be writing poetry. Totally. Los Angeles. I mean, maybe I, I'm writing a script. I would I would take a bunch of petri dishes and just start placing little pieces of food in every single one and stack them Absolutely. up so tall that they're like under yeah. my chin. I have to hold <laughs> them together. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind uh, of where I'm at <laughs> okay here is here is uh, a great tell okay here's what you should do if you want to throw people if you're a food writer ask for an application <laughs> that's a good one you should that's no, that's the number one answer I think I think I like this or come in with your headshot and a script and act like you just left the worst audition of your life yeah. and they'll think you're just another failed actor but the truth is, yes. you're a food critic. Um, yes. Yeah, and I think love or hate, like, this is just how it is. And uh, honestly, a lot of these these people have power to influence if you're going to make money or not, which sucks. But, like, again, if, if we were all the Dannys of the world there to, like, elevate the experience and get people to come in to make businesses more successful, for everybody to have a good time and have the same experience he did, that's that's what we want, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I think so too. And, you know, like, cause I know talking about Yelp or TripAdvisor is like a whole, we might have to do part two of an episode cause it's, it's just so deep and heavy. But yeah. I think at the end of the day, you know, we might feel that the system is really devalued because mm-hmm. any fucking dipshit with a smartphone right. can be like, and the TVs were on in the bar in the other room right. while I was right. eating and, and right. you know, um, I think the point is, though, that like a really nice review from you with the title L.A. Times or Eater, that's what someone puts on their wall. Yes. Not someone's stupid fucking yeah. Yelp review. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Absolutely. Good point. That is 100% true. Um, I'm going to leave you guys on this, and it might blow your mind a little bit. Oh. Duncan mm-hmm. Hines, food critic before he was a cake maker. Oh, wow. He was okay. a traveling salesman, um, was on the road a lot, and then basically started reviewing all the diners that he would go to on the road. He kind of like, you know, did like an adventure food travel book back in the day is what he did. And so it was like I a little it. pamphlet you would get with all like the fun places to go, like kind of like a Zagat, I, su- I suppose, kind of like yeah. something like that. But yeah, fun little fact. Um, that makes sense. Also, makes sense. every food critic in my eyes looks like Andrew Zimmern. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure. Sure. Like, you think yeah. of Andrew Zimmern, I'm like, oh, that's the guy that comes in and is going to do be your food critic. I'm so scared. That's, oh, uh, I, I thought forever that this one person was a food critic just because of the way they dressed and they always ate alone. And I was like, hello, sir, and a good evening to you. May I do all the specials perfectly? And then someone was like, It's just some big bald man. Yeah, it's my uncle. Um, people can find you where, Danny? Uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Palumbros, P A L U M B R O S. And that's it. Awesome. That's um, 
it. If you guys have any stories about waiting on food critics or like mm-hmm. if a critic like changed your restaurant for the better, for the worse, like please let us know. You know, again, this is just another part of the restaurant industry, how it works. It includes all of us, um, which uh, is, we're so happy we got to talk about it today. It was super fun. Also, yeah. it's, it's a real thing getting fired or reprimanded for the reviews that come uh-huh. in as the server. <laughs> Oopsies. I, I, it went great that night. It went great that night. Somehow, somehow. But, um, <laughs> well, Danny, we would love to have you on an episode of front of house versus back of house coming up soon. You'd be such a great guest. And just in general, I'm so excited that macaroni zones part of the network. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm excited to, to, you know, be great and this fun stuff with you guys too. It's oh, oh, well, thank you. We have and if fun. you're in if you're in LA, go eat uh, a dirty baby from Jeff's table. Oh yeah, yeah. Holy shit, that was good. Great restaurant. So awesome. good. Awesome. So stinking good. All right. Well, we'll wrap up this week, and you know what we say at the end of every episode. Uh, we say Godspeed and good tips mm, and good reviews. I guess too. Good, good reviews, reviews As everybody. Nice. All right, you guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you.